everybody. Grab your Bible, pencil, a journal, and maybe even a cup of coffee and join in on the conversation. But first, I would like for you to write this down. Leviticus 19, 1 and 2. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Hey everyone, welcome to Write This Down with Dot Bowen. My name is Kara, and as you know, I am Dot's daughter, and we sit down together every week, and we talk through truths and scripture, and we actually talk about Leviticus again, and honestly, I had no idea that we were going to do two episodes on Leviticus, but I actually really enjoyed this episode and this conversation that we have talking about the holiness of God, and what does that actually mean in layman's terms, and what does that how do, what does that mean for us as New Testament believers? And we also talk about how God just the whole purpose of the whole Bible and even the book of Leviticus is just so that God dwells with us. He just wants us. So we are really glad that you're here. And we would also really love to know, are you reading through the Bible with us this year? So you can send us an email or find us on social media. You can see the information in the description of this episode and every episode. But pull up a chair, listen in, and like I said, we are really glad that you're here. Kara, are you in Leviticus yet? Actually, I'm in numbers. Stop it. You are <laughs> the star student. This is amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so proud of you. I caught up. I know. I waited to tell you on live on here because I caught up this well I'm actually no I'm not caught up yet but I read through I got through Exodus and I went through all the way through Leviticus in the last week and I'm in numbers so the beginning of hmm. numbers I wonder how much you absorbed well not much yeah. but what there's yeah. a ton to absorb in Leviticus in terms of you know there's a lot of like shalls and shall nots hmm. <laughs> called so obedience. I definitely just being holy I definitely just I definitely just read it yeah. But that's the point, right? That's it's right. just reading it. That's I'm right. Studying it. And you know, Kara, I was thinking today, I knew we were going to record. And I was thinking, I wonder how many people that are listening to us that are joining in on the conversation is actually reading along with us. I wish I knew. But hopefully, I don't know. But hopefully, there's everyone that's listening is reading along with us. But I, I understand Leviticus is hard, it's difficult. I used to hate it with everything in me. And I just kind of changed it a little bit. I guess that's not very good to say you hated scripture with everything in you. But I just, you know, it was so hard for me to relate. But when I went through the uh, mindset as I was reading Leviticus that, you know, it's about God's holiness and it's about how we can approach God, how we can worship God. But then you, you know, you get through all the sacrifices as we were talking about and all the blood. We talked about that last week. And then you get to this part, then God said to Moses, Moses, you go tell the people that I will, am holy and that they are to be holy as I am holy. And that's impossible. Right. We can't be as holy as God. Nope. And so... So why do you tell them that? Well, that's a good question. Obviously, I'm not God. But I feel like God often brings us to the end of ourselves that God allows circumstances and things to to uh, happen in our lives for us to be dependent, for us to cry out to God because we know that we need Him. And we do know that 
the law was used as a uh, tool to show people and to show God's people that they needed a Savior and that they couldn't really obey the law and really apply the law and be perfect without transgression, without sinning. And so God used the law to show them how much they needed Him. So as we're looking at Leviticus and we're looking at all these sacrifices, all of these laws of holiness and things that you had to do to be able to worship God, there was the laws of the priest, there was the laws of cleanliness for the people, a holy day uh, of an atonement, a time that you would set aside and remember the Passover and remember that it was God that brought them out of Egypt. There was a lot of uh, practices and codes for holiness. And as I was thinking about that, Karen, getting through all of those things, I just happened to think those people did not obey God. They were not set apart. They went in into the land and they began to look at the practices of the people around them and they became very much like the people around them. And actually, in numbers, you will see that this generation does not go into the promised land. They disobey mm-hmm. I God. Do like, I do like numbers. Yeah, numbers, I, um, I mean, the first few chapters of numbers are a little bit like Leviticus, mm-hmm. but yeah, num- numbers is, is the climactic part of you know, when it all goes mm-hmm. down, of when they, no, Exodus. Well, yeah, that's when they, it, it finishes. They go, they starting to go into and get ready to go into the promised land. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And then um, everything with Moses goes mm-hmm. down where he doesn't get in. And, yeah. and the generation did not. They did not go in. I don't know. I, I just remembered over the years thinking I like numbers more than Leviticus because I think there's just a little bit more story and a mm-hmm. little bit more, you know, plot. That you can kind of relate to a little bit. It's a little bit mm-hmm. easier. Yeah, it's a little bit easier to kind of get through. But, um, yeah, I actually was thinking and wanted to say to the listeners, I every time we read through the year, mm-hmm. read the Bible throughout the year, I use the same Bible every single year. And yeah. I it's just one of those things that I really love. But this year, you actually had told me about one of the Bibles you use is the Tony Evans Study Bible. Mm-hmm. And so I got that for Christmas and have been using that a little bit alongside with my Bible. Because the Bible I use isn't a commentary Bible. It's, it has nothing, you know, crazy mm-hmm. special about it. It's just the scripture. And I really liked using this commentary alongside it. And one of the things I love that you had told me about was the little videos that Tony mm-hmm. Evans has at the beginning of every book. And it mm-hmm. is, there's a QR code at the beginning that you scan. And he has a four to five minute video kind of recapping the whole book, whichever book it is. And I really like that, especially for these books like Numbers and Leviticus and especially mm-hmm. when we get into the prophets also, um, because it it's just, I'm, I'm a very much a big picture mm-hmm. thinker. And so I like kind of knowing, okay, what's the big picture with this thing, mm-hmm. a book, story, whatever it is. And one of the things he said about Leviticus was talking about the holiness and how mm-hmm. it's not only what we had actually been talking about with, you know, the importance of blood and sacrifices and Jesus coming later and all that, but also just remembering God's holiness. Like it Mm -hmm. is about worship. It's about, you know, he kind of uses this example of 
the kitchen plates and how like there are the dirty kitchen plates that are always in the sink. Then you have your everyday kitchen plates that are the ones you use obviously every mm-hmm. single day. And then you have like the special ones, special kitchen plates. The china. The china, yes. They're usually mm-hmm. in the den or a living room or a, the fancy dining room. It's usually mm-hmm. probably behind like glass cabinets. And I was thinking, this is literally your house. <laughs> That's literally <laughs> what yours. I mean, I don't even have, I'm not even fancy enough to even have fancy plates. But just saying how those are set apart, like it is. Mm-hmm. And just in any way, it's, I can't do it nearly as well as Tony Evans, but just this picture of we sometimes lose sight of the holiness of God. Right. And when you when you get through Leviticus and all of these shalls and shall nots and sacrifices and mm-hmm. every all of that, and it's not all about us. It's about remembering like God is holy. It's mm-hmm. and out of that remembrance, we we worship out of that. We worship with the recognition and the um, acknowledgement of His holiness. You know, Kara, I have met with people, and I understand what they're saying. I don't, I don't mean this to be judgmental at all toward these people. They're really hurting. They're going through a really difficult time. And I remember, you know, we'd be sitting with someone, and they'd say, when I see God, I'm going to shake my hand and my fist at Him. I'm going to ask Him why He's allowed, you know, certain things to, that had happened in their lives. And the whole time I'm sitting there, there was really and truly— Almost every time I hear someone really say, "Well, I'm about to tell God a you know thing or two, or there's the spirit in me that just kind of makes me cringe because I think we have just lost sight of this is a holy God. I mean, he could strike you right you know dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he has all powerful and he's all holy, but we've so minimized. Not only just his holiness, but who he is, and mm-hmm. and I understand. I think you should be honest before God. I think when you're praying and you're frustrated with God, I get that. I get that, and and I encourage that. Yeah, I think what you're saying, it's like the posture of I'm going to tell you, like, or I'm going to show do. you, yeah. or I'm gonna, I'm going to go. I demand off on an you. answer. Yeah, right. I think that's the posture because that's not at all being like coming to God with a humble heart of, hey, this is no. I don't appreciate how I don't really love. I mean, I've we've you and I have talked about this of me having prayers with God and being like, I don't really love how you've written my story. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah, right. I don't really Let's change the chapter here. Yeah, but. That's where it's, I think, coming to God with a humble posture of, I don't really love what you're doing. I, I wish that you hadn't let this happen or, you know, whatever, versus going to God and being like, I'm going to show you or I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, tell you off in a way of, I know better or, I don't know, kind of like more of like a pride. Right. It, oh, it's definitely prideful. It's, it's as if they're going to enter into the presence of a holy, powerful God and tell him a thing or two of how he could do things better instead of asking God and saying, God, you know, I don't understand what you're doing. You know, and I think we've talked about this so many times about Jesus and Gethsemane. You know, he came, he knew what was going to happen. He even told the disciples before he even went to Gethsemane, I'm about to be uh, handed over. Uh, I'm about to be betrayed. I'm about to go to the cross. He knew what was happening. That's why he came. But, he sat there as a human entering into the pain of of knowing what was about to happen and was honest before God and said, let this cup pass from me. So we're not saying that we can't question God. I think you should. I think you should go and say, God, I, 
you know, I know you're God, and I know you're powerful, and I know you're holy. I don't understand, you know, what's going on or why you've allowed certain things. But I think at the end of the day, it's not necessarily questioning or wanting to know what God's doing. It's more about who He is. This is about who God is. And I think there's a difference in saying, like, God, I I would love to know why you have let this happen, or I would love to know why. Maybe it's period. Mm-hmm. But if you don't show me why, that's okay. Like, it's the humility of you are God and I am not. So if you never choose to show me why on this side of earth, then I will still go choose to you. accept that. Right. Yeah. And also, yeah, it's like Trust that you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel of mm-hmm. if you if you do this, great. But if even if you don't deliver us from the spire, we're still gonna worship and bow down. So I think that yeah. I think that's yeah. a very different posture versus you better deliver us from this fire or we're gonna. Are, it's like, right. I, like I don't know I what the want, other side of that could be because nothing we can, we can't do anything to God. So yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's more about dealing with pain and anger and turning that pain and anger toward God because you know they don't understand the ways of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't understand all the ways of God. I don't understand why God does what He does. We're not God. I don't want to be able to understand what all God does, because then God's on my level, and we're all sunk. We've got some issues. yeah. And so uh, we want to have a God that knows more and has a bigger plan than we can think of. Yeah. And I've been mad with God. I mean, I think, and I've been hurt by God and all that, Mm -hmm. but it's still, I still understand that I'm not God, and I don't want to be, and I want you know, I still acknowledge his holiness as best I can. I'm not perfect or great at that at all. But it was a good perspective of when, you know, listening to that little overview of Leviticus in the Tony Evans Study Bible, just remembering and seeing like, okay, there's, because it can get a little, you know, Mm -hmm. mundane and like, reading Leviticus, especially when I power read it yeah. <laughs> in a few yeah. days, but um, but still kind of having the back of my head of like, this is all because God's holy, like not mm. because of us at all. Like it, I mean, in terms of in order to even go before God, this is everything that, like how we have to present ourselves. And I think that is the beauty of Jesus and the cross is like, we can just go to him as we are. Like, we don't have to have a temple. We don't have to have all these sacrifices and all of that mm-hmm. anymore. But I think because of that, we can lose sight of the holiness, you know, like kind of. We well, you're kind of like Betty Betty. Like, you'll hear him uh, talk about the man in, up in the sky. You know, no, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's just a, a irreverence, I think, of not understanding. And there's a difference in his power versus his holiness, too. I mean, God is very powerful. And a lot of times you're like, oh, I would never say that because God's going to strike me dead. That's really addressing his power, knowing that he could strike you dead. And I actually just said that a few minutes ago. But what I'm talking about is that I don't think we can really comprehend what holiness is. We can understand good because we see good around us, which is helps us a little bit of being able to understand what good is. But we don't know what pure holiness is because we've never experienced or seen that on this earth other than within our spirit. We know that God is holy. 
So if you had to define holiness in a few words, one sentence, just like you were writing a dictionary, holiness is blank. How would you describe holiness? I'm going to get somebody else to podcast with me <laughs> that won't ask those questions. I'm like, I don't know what other child will do this with me. But, um, well, I mean, just like off the top of your head, I mean, I, well, at the top of my head, I'm so sure I've never said anything more than one with one word. But I guess if I was going to try to say something with just one word, it would be pure. Not one word. I just mean, I mean, a few words, one sentence. Like if you had to. I think it would be pure. It would be without any defect, without any amount of something that was not pure. I think when I think of holiness, I think of pure. We we don't know what pure is. We might say, we might buy something and it says it's 99% pure of something. Like pure mm-hmm. what? But it's 99%. We've just never experienced true, authentic, genuine holiness. And I think it's hard for so us the, to comprehend. So the holiness of God would be His pureness. And, and it's without any sin, without any bad motives, without any underlining agendas, without anything that would uh, necessarily be considered selfish. Like he's not selfish. He's not self-provoking. He is not anything that we would consider a person to be that would struggle with some kind of, whether it's self-centeredness, whether it's um, having a bad attitude or wrong motives. He's pure. I think one of the things that I really, really love is in Revelation. It's Revelations 15, and it's the Song of Moses, actually. And they sing, you are justified, you are holy, you are righteous in all your ways. So everything that God does, it is pure, and it's holy, and it's mm-hmm. good, and it's beyond good. We can be right. good. I remember um, the man came to, to Jesus and called him good teacher. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? The man had this idea what he considered good to be. But then Jesus was really trying to get the man to acknowledge that he was God. He said, only God is good. But, you know, holiness is a, is a whole different level that I don't think we can comprehend. But what right. we need to do when we're thinking about it, though, Kara, is that when we're thinking about approaching a holy God and knowing that God loves us and he's allowing us to go, before him, that's not ho- we're not holy, even though we've been forgiven, we're still not God. We're still not pure. Uh, we're not right. without any sin in our well, lives. This, yeah, I was just looking up the strongest definition for holiness. And that's cheating. I know. I know. Okay. I just was curious because. You know, we just, it's just, I just think holiness can, is one of those words like faith, where it's like, okay, what does that actually mean? Like, we hear it, we know in our head God is holy. But, like, so that's why I wanted you to explain it in your words, because it's like, like in layman's terms, you know, like, what, mm-hmm. what does it actually mean? And I mean, there's not much. It just basically just says it's sac- like sacred, set apart. It's holy. That is definitely I actually had that written in my Bible. I should have looked at it when you asked me. But that is what holiness means is set apart. But that's the uh 
definition, I think, that Leviticus uh, talks about because he wanted the people to be set apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there may be other words or other um, Hebrew words for holiness, but I looked up holy. It was in Levitic- the, the Leviticus 20, one of the words in, for holiness. And that's, yeah, like what it was saying of, I want you to be holy, or God was telling his people, you know, like, I want, mm-hmm. you, want you to be holy, which, like you're saying, we can't to some degree. Yeah. So how does a sinner like you and I that have sinned against God and maybe sinned against His commandments, enter into the presence of a holy God. Well, I think that's the miracle of Jesus because exactly. it's, there's nothing, it has nothing to do with us. Like right. we can't conjure up our holiness. We can't be holy. There's nothing that we could, There, like it. it is as impossible as me, I don't even know, like becoming my dog in this moment. Like it just, like you can't, I can't like, become another, I can't do it because of the, we were born in sin. And that's why I think, I mean, isn't that why Jesus was conceived the way he was through the Holy Spirit? Because he wouldn't be born through the blood of, right, through the uh, sin nature of man. So it's like we can't be holy at all because of the sin nature in our blood. Yes. But as you see in Leviticus, Unless it was spotless, unless they sacrificed the blood and they were able to go before God through the blood of these animals, they were, you know, and that was just a covering. That wasn't paying for a sin. That was not. And so it was just literally God's message to the people that the Messiah was coming. Mm-hmm. And that this is the ways of the Messiah. And because of Jesus, and you will hear this all through the New Testament, mainly all in Paul's letters, that we are the righteousness of God, that we're not holy, we're not God, but because of His blood, that His blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that we will never sin, but we can enter into the presence of God because the holy blood of Jesus was sacrificed so we can enter into His presence. Presence. Mm-hmm. And so we're covered by God's blood, Jesus' blood. Right. One, it's like the whole adoption thing. Like we've been adopted in because there's nothing that we could possibly do to be an heir of God, to be the sons and daughters of Jesus, of God, because of what we were born into, the sin nature of man. And so well, that's and we're not the Jewish. whole picture of, right. And that's the whole picture of adoption of I've adopted you in, so you are now holy because I've Mm -hmm. basically accepted you as you are, regardless. Mm -hmm. Um, Exactly. And, and, and of course, we're Gentiles. Like, we're adopted into the uh, family of God through Abraham. So, (laughs) can I tell a funny story really quick? I just had this memory really quick. This was, I don't even know how many years ago. I was definitely, I was either in high school or college, Mm -hmm. but I remember asking you, about like for some reason it didn't click to me that if you're not Jewish then you're Gentile, like oh, yeah. I don't know it just didn't like click mm-hmm. or no one I don't know. Anyway, yeah. long story short, I remember asking you one time, basically, if I was Gentile, I was like, "Are we Gentiles?" And you all you said was, "Well, are you Jewish?" 
And I said, no. She said, you're like, then you're a Gentile. Okay. Anyway, it was just like this funny moment because you just were so frank about it because I, I had, anyway, I just didn't know. And I was like, well, no. And then you're like, well, then you're a Gentile. <laughs> Simple as oh, that. You could be Muslim. You could be Muslim, but you're not that. Uh, anyway, but, you know, but, it is it is one of those things that you realize that you've been adopted and and of course this isn't anything new like god told abraham you know you're going to be the father of many nations and he and that gentiles are uh you know included in that of course abraham was the father of the jewish people and and but even at the very beginning because a lot of people think that uh, because the Jews rejected Jesus, that the Gentiles got in on it, which there is part of that. But from the very beginning, we were never Plan B. We were mm-hmm. always accepted into God's kingdom. But He first came for, to the Jews so that they would know that He was the Messiah because they mm-hmm. studied the law. They should have known. And they were mm-hmm. waiting for the Messiah. Uh, a Gentile did not study the law. There were many that right. knew a lot about the Jewish belief and, and looking for the Messiah, which the woman at the well talked about that. But which it, but and what, I think it's really amazing, like just to add it, and I don't I don't remember if I mentioned this when we were talking about um, Moses in Exodus, but like the fact that he was he God chose the Israelites, like I, sometimes I think we can tend to read the Bible and f- kind of forget that there were world empires happening at this time. Like mm-hmm. it was, there was like the Egyptian empire, they had built the pyramids. Like there mm-hmm. was really Life going large, on besides the Jewish Yeah, people. like there were mm-hmm. a lot of not just other tribes or people, but massive empires like the, you know, Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Egyptians, mm-hmm. the huge cultures and countries and empires and so the fact that i just think that is like just one of those perspective shifts of like him choosing the israelites it wasn't like well there's no one else really here <laughs> i'll choose you yeah, it was like yeah the smallest of small that he created out of nothing yeah you know well and, and that's nation. the whole point that leviticus is talking about because of all those empires because of all of the different gods that were around them that was what set apart like i am your god and and to the people around them as you talk about so often that they're, they're not the only people that were walking going toward canaan there were people surrounded by him but for them they thought the jewish people were crazy because to worship one god and then on top of that a God that they couldn't see. That was the problem mm-hmm. with the golden cow of, you know, we want to see. They had all kinds of gods that they made. And God talked about that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this is made out of, you know, an idol. This is made out of wood. You know, it can't hear, it can't speak. Mm-hmm. I'm different. I am God. When I think even like him saying, I'm the living God, you know, like mm-hmm. think of all the idols that they had created that maybe they could see, but it wasn't living. And that was another right. thing that, you know, setting Yahweh apart. Wait a minute. How can you see if you're not living? They might have had eyes, but they didn't. No, I, they no they were, I'm saying the idols that they created weren't living. Oh, they were just no. statues. But God's saying, no, I am the living God. Those are mm-hmm. statues. They're not living. I am the living God. And it was like this, that, again, set Yahweh apart from the other gods. That's right. And that's what makes him holy, too, as the fact that he said he was holy, but he wanted to be set apart because he wanted the people to understand that there is one God, and it was Jehovah. It was the I Am. He told Moses that. And and so as they were entering, about to go into this promised land, he had 
restrictions. He had guidelines. He had rules. He had vows. He had all kinds of uh, dietary laws, all kinds of ways of uh, living with people, uh, how to live with each other, how to approach Mm -hmm. God, how to worship God. And I think that we sometimes make God in our own image and think we can worship and get the heart and grab the heart of God based on our own terms in the way that we think we should. And I think that there's this such a huge message in Leviticus of, of saying, you're not going to you're not going to make me into the kind of God you think that I should be. I'm telling you how you're to worship me. I'm telling you how to approach me. Now, again, mm-hmm. we know that God was setting it up for the Messiah, mm-hmm. and he wanted the people to know that he was God. But I think that that's the thing, and I want to, I want us to, to really talk about that, Kara, because you think about this. What God went to— all the restrictions and everything he did to put his way of worship, the way that you can approach God, the guidelines. And he's wanting his people to know, you bow down to me. I don't bow down to you. And I'm God and you're not. And I think that that's a big message today. I think we think we're God. It's just mm-hmm. that person I was telling you about that says, when I see God, I'm going to shake my fist at him and say, why did you let this happen? I think that we've we've created this God in our own image. So I see all of the like commandments and the shalls and shall nots and all of the things in Leviticus. And I mean, I guess throughout the Old Testament, but primarily in Leviticus, I guess it's like not God being a God who is just wanting to put restrictions and have all these rules on his people, but more... I see it as a perspective of God is like, I want you to come near me so much so that I am going to tell you how you can come near me because I'm so holy that you don't And I want you to come near me. That's what I see it as. It's not this God who is just a God of rules and laws and restrictions, but it's a God who is like, I want my people, I want you, I want you. So... Mm The only way, because of how holy I am, the only way that you can come close to me is if you do these things. And I know that it's a lot, but that's just because of how holy I am. And I just think like that perspective shift is like, that's how I see it is like, oh my gosh, look at what you are doing to just bring your people close and not, oh, you just want to put a lot of laws and rules on Mm -hmm. me. You know, well, here's the deal because at the end of Leviticus, it talks about that God did it to discipline them. And there's a difference between discipline and condemnation. There's a difference in when you discipline someone and, and when they disobeyed, you know, God brought discipline to them. And what is amazing at the end of Leviticus is he tells them all of this, but then at the very end, you see grace. Because it, um, like in uh, chapters 26 and 27, he tells them, and he says, but in, you know, in spite of all this, you will not listen to me, but walk contrary to me. Then I will walk contrary to you in fury. I myself will discipline you sevenfold for your sins. And, and even though we think, well, discipline's not grace, but when you think about a child and you think about a person that's just left uh, to themselves, how terrible they turn out. And 
and things that they get into and things, destructive behaviors and destructive attitudes and thoughts and patterns. And so God says, I'm doing this to discipline you. But as you get into chapter 27 and on, it talks about, but if they will turn from their ways and acknowledge their sin, he would forgive them. So there's grace, even in the middle of all of this very strict manner of worship and manner of being able to approach God, you know, there was just so um, strict. There was very room where you couldn't ease it out. You had to do exactly what God said. One of the things I love seeing in Leviticus 26, and I know that we need to wrap up, but I've said it on this podcast before. I don't know what episode, but Revelation 21 is my favorite Mm-hmm. chapter in the whole Bible. And it is where everything, it was like, this is why God did, had wrote this whole story. And it was so that he can be is the with, bow to he, an ending. Yeah. Like he can be with us. He can walk mm-hmm. with, it is the, he will dwell with us. And that was the whole purpose. That's why he did mm-hmm. all of this. That's why he's innocent. It's everything about this whole story that God has written for us is to is just to be with us. And mm-hmm. in Leviticus 26, I wrote in the margin, I don't even actually know when I wrote this in the margin, but I wrote, this reminds me of Revelation 21. And it's Leviticus 26, I mean, 10 through 13, but I'll just read a piece of that. But it says, and I will walk among you and be and will be your God and you shall be my people. I am the Lord, your God, mm-hmm. who brought you out of the land of Egypt so that you should not be slaves. And I've broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. And I just like love that. It's like mm, I love I've given, that. it's at the very end of Leviticus and it's like, here's all the laws. And if you obey mm. them, if you do this, like you, I will make my dwelling with you. My soul shall not abhor you and I will walk, I will walk among you. It's like, that's the whole, it's not just for laws or it's just, it's to be with us. And it's I It's not love for that. the sake to be, yeah, it's not just like, just because I told you so. God always has a purpose and a plan. And you're right, Kara, from, from Genesis 3 to Revelation 22, the chapter you love, it is God pursuing us, God protecting us, saying, if you will do this, if you don't do this, if you live your own way, and we'll see as we get into Old Testament that one of the, the most evil things that happen is when man decided that they would choose how they should live, that they would choose what is right in their own eyes, and then you just see it just going downhill. But as as we look at the heart of God and all these laws and all of these things that God says, I want you to do this, I want you to obey me so that you and I can be together he was coming after our hearts. He wants us. And sin hurts us. It doesn't hurt God. And so it's those disobedience, it's those sins that we do that really does destroy the body. And and, help, and it keeps us from becoming the, the woman that God wants us to be. And God just Poor says, man. I just want you to, yeah, there you go. I just want you to recognize that I'm God and I am holy and I want you to know who I am. And I want to be with you. I want, yeah, and God being like, I, I am this holy God, but I want, I choose you. I want to walk with you. Yeah, He created to walk with us. We're created mm-hmm. to walk with God and to worship Him. And that's true life. That's, that's when you're really alive is when you are in a oneness with God. And that's why Jesus came so that uh, He would show us the Father and that we would have a relationship 
with the Holy God, and we couldn't do it on our own. There's nothing we can do, nothing. And so out of grace and mercy, God sent His Son so that we can approach a holy God and be with Him. And as Revelation 21 says, we will walk with Him. He will be among us, and we will be His people, and He will be our God. And there will be no more tears. No more tears. No more pain. No more presence of sin. And, it, and that's a beautiful thing. And I think that as we sum up and close the book of Leviticus, yes, there's some yucky parts. There's some bloody parts. There's some uh, disobedience. But at the end of it all, we see the heart of God and says, I want you to know me. I am your God. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad that you could be a part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, you can find Dot on social media at Dot Bowen or visit her website, DotBowen.com. Subscribe, like, and share with your friends, and we will see you next week on Write This Down with Dot Bowen.